0: In episode 6, we learned that Inanna decided to descend to the underworld. She says she wishes to mourn the death of her sister Ereshkigal's husband. But Inanna has to pass through seven gates on her way down. At each gate, something is taken from her. At the first gate is her crown, the second her lapis necklaces, and at the third her breastplate. At the fourth, she loses her royal cloak, and at the fifth, her golden bracelet. At the sixth gate, she loses her royal scepter. By the time she gets to the seventh, she has nothing left. She's been stripped bare of everything that gave her meaning, everything that gave her identity. You are listening to The Goddess Archetype Code with your host, Erica Randolph, an intuitive counselor and licensed trauma therapist. I use story, music, and meditation to support emotional healing. Disclaimer, this podcast is not intended as therapy. Looking for the light, it's a daily fight and things go bump. News of the day is outrageous, that's what the mad folks say. Who told you that you had sinned? We are divided, divided within. Welcome to this episode of the Goddess Archetype Code podcast, as we unravel the meaning behind Inanna's descent. Inanna lost everything that gave her purpose and meaning, everything that created her identity in the world as she descended to the underworld. To what purpose? What was so important to her about going to the underworld to meet her sister Ereshkigal? Inanna says it was to mourn with her sister But when she got there, she announced that she was now going to sit on Ereshkigal's throne. Hello? What? (laughs) This didn't sit well with Ereshkigal. In fact, it really made her pretty mad, and she destroyed Inanna. So here comes Inanna, and even though she lost everything on the way down, she still had the temerity to claim Ereshkigal's throne. So let's unpack this a bit. Inanna is a queen above ground. In her palaces, her beautiful city, she has a handsome husband, a charming child, servants to take care of her every need. She rules the world. She's successful, talented, smart, capable, and gets things done. But she has a yearning inside her. She feels like she's missing something. Inanna knows that her sister is languishing in the underworld. Ereshkigal is in mourning. She has lost everything, her husband. No one understands her. No one really likes her because she's unpleasant to be around. You know, like in our world, we feel revulsion at ugliness, at mean-spiritedness, at anger, at neediness, at selfishness and pushiness, and at self-pity. And these are the kinds of things that Ereshkigal represents. Because, you see, she's in mourning. She feels sorry for herself. She's angry at the world. And she's writhing in pain. So Ereshkigal represents Inanna's shadow side. So take a moment and let that sink in. Ereshkigal is Inanna's shadow. All those ugly emotional traits are in Anna's shadow side. She is this shadow. She is the picture of what our shadow side is. When we go to meet our own shadow, it's our Ereshkigal that we go to meet. It's our own pettiness and anger, not feeling good enough, depression. It's all the parts of us that we disown. The parts we're embarrassed of, and the parts that are often the legacy of trauma. We'll go into the legacy of trauma more deeply in another episode. So it's curious. Inanna was required to let go of all the trappings of her identity in order to even meet Ereshkigal. What does that mean? It means that in order to truly meet our shadow, to reconcile and connect with, or to create a healthy relationship with, we have to give up our preconceived ideas about ourself, our identity, and strip our souls bare to even approach the shadow. This is the only way we can allow the shadow to retain her integrity and to be heard without judgment and to be listened to with compassion. And can we say to be loved? On a side note, yes, the shadow needs to be loved. And the happy ending is that Inanna is reconciled with Ereshkigal. Healing does happen, just so you don't feel like everything is hopelessly over. As long as we're alive, we have the opportunity to reconcile with our shadow parts and to live in a loving relationship with them. When Inanna has her soul stripped bare, then she can approach Ereshkigal with humility. Humility, all her pride, gone. All her excuses, trashed. All her reasons, no longer relevant. I'm going to tell you, this isn't an easy thing to do. We hold on to our excuses, our reasons why, our busyness. We say things like, well, I did that because, you know, I had to. Or I couldn't let go feeling angry about someone. I'm holding a grudge because, you know, they don't deserve to be let off the hook. And, you know, when we try to hide our anger, it'll come out in kind of crazy-ass ways. Another way we don't or can't approach the shadow is because we believe that we aren't allowed to cry or we're not allowed to have any emotions and we shut them down because they're not acceptable. This is also often a result of trauma, by the way. A really big way we ignore our shadow is due to pride. Pride. We don't ever want to admit we were wrong. We always want the last word, or it's too embarrassing to admit we were wrong about something. Or maybe we have such a view of ourselves that, of course, we're a loving person. My identity is one of being a loving light worker. There's no way I could be doing something that hurts another person. It's just not in me. Can we say, blinded by denial, perhaps? And these are reasons, among reasons, among oh so many alibis and justifications that we give so that we never really get in touch with our shadow parts. Well, Inanna goes through the gates and she loses everything. So let's unpack the symbolism of the possessions she had removed and I suggest we use the chakra system to illustrate the emotional and psychological changes she went through. I'll outline how I see the chakras align with each possession, and then go a bit more in-depth with what it is that Inanna gives up or releases at each gate in order to create an attitude that can prepare her to be emotionally ready to actually meet Ereshkigal her shadow side. So if you remember at the first gate, Inanna loses her crown. Her crown represents both the crown and the brow chakras, to know and to see. This chakra expresses self-knowledge and self-reflection. It includes self-sovereignty and wisdom, consciousness and spiritual connection. On the dark side, it deals with illusion and unhealthy attachment, confusion, spiritual addiction, and apathy. So the crown signifies her self-sovereignty. Self-sovereignty is the concept of what we feel we have control over in our lives, what we believe to be true about ourselves and about what we have control over. What we feel or believe we have control over in our lives dictates what we do in our lives, the choices we make, the career paths we take, or the relationships we get into. So giving up her crown is the first step of giving up perceived control. At the second gate, her lapis necklaces are removed. These represent the throat chakra, which is our speech. It represents creative identity, self-expression, and speaking our truth. It's clear communication and creativity. But the shadow side is telling lies to ourselves and others. It's fear of speaking, the inability to listen, and perhaps excessive talking. Giving up our lapis necklaces is acknowledging that we can't just talk our way out of it. It's letting go of any lies we tell ourselves, letting go of our excuses, our reasons and justifications and alibis which no longer help us. And we begin to see through the lies we tell ourselves. At the third gate, her breastplate is removed. This represents the heart chakra. It's our social identity and our self-acceptance. It's our ability to love and be loved. Yet the dark side is grief, codependency, poor boundaries and jealousy. When the breastplate is removed, we become vulnerable. On a side note, I want to let you know, check out Brené Brown. as She has some wonderful teachings on vulnerability. So when our heart is exposed, we can feel it softening, allowing emotions to be felt. But this is where our emotions are raw. Exposing our heart is tearing the bandage off, exposing our bleeding heart. At the fourth gate, Her royal robe is snatched away. This is our solar plexus chakra. It represents ego identity or self definition. It's our power and will that is full of spontaneity, purpose, and self esteem. When this chakra is out of alignment, the feeling is of shame and passivity. Or, on the other hand, perhaps being constantly active and scattered. Or you might be cycling between both these polarities of shame and passivity or scattered activity. It's also the fear of being seen. Taking off the royal robe is letting go of our ego identity. This is our pride, or being egotistical. Or another way to say it, it's our ego center. Yes, there's a healthy way to be aware of our ego, but what we are giving up is shame and passivity or all that scattered activity. See, these are ways we hide our vulnerability, and it can make us blind to our issues. This chakra is letting go of our pride so we can be seen, warts and all. It's acknowledging that in our pride or our blindness, we don't see others either. At the fifth gate, the golden bracelet comes off. This is the sacral chakra. It's our emotional identity. It's self-gratification and allowing pleasures to be experienced. It's also our generational traditions or what's always been done. On the shadow side, this is the seat of guilt, or obsessive attachments, addictions, or being emotionally numb, rigid, and avoiding pleasure. When the golden bracelet is removed, we give up our emotional attachments to our defense systems of pride, closing our hearts, our reasons and justifications, and our sense of being, I'm better than that. Often this is informed by our generational identity or our mother wound. It's working through the mother wound on a deep, instinctual level. At the sixth gate, the royal scepter is lost. This is our root chakra. It's a phallic symbol of our physical identity, our stability, and our physical health. It's also self-preservation Our fight, flight, and freeze responses live here. And primal fear is the shadow side. Ah, the root chakra, our primal instincts, our self-preservation. This is a step of releasing your defense systems that are deeply held in our nervous system and in our brainstem. It's coming face to face with your bodily sensations to realize we are helpless at changing basic primal fears, namely our fight, flight, or freeze responses. We acknowledge that our primal fears serve a purpose, but they also keep us on high alert, ready to either lash out or run away from our problems or curl up in a ball and play dead. At the last and final seventh gate, Inanna has nothing left to give. She is empty. Her sovereignty is gone. Her reasons, her justifications, excuses, and alibis are stripped bare. Her heart has been ripped open. Her pride demolished and her mother wound exposed. And even her basic instinctual defenses wiped out. Now she is ready to meet Ereshkigal. (laughs) But you're never going to believe this. And Nana, even in her broken state, demands the throne. What is she thinking? Dear listeners, here I leave you with a cliffhanger. Because you see, I leave you with the question, What is Ereshkigal going to do with Inanna's impunity of demanding the throne? If you're enjoying this podcast, The Goddess Archetype Code, please give it a follow and leave me a review. Share it with your friends and I'll be forever grateful. Oh, and don't forget, I have the Weekend Wind Down Meditation Series going on right now. Have a blessed day. looking for the light. It's a daily fight and things go bump in the night. The news of the day is outrageous. That's what the mad folks say. Who told you that you had sinned? We are divided.